Good morning. Welcome again to Morning Devotions. I'm Pastor Summerall, the pastor of the Cathedral of Praise. I'm excited. After we finish Morning Devotions, I jump in the car and run over to South Campus for our Saturday morning drive-in service. Yeah, <laughs> forgive me. I can only see you through the windows of your cars. Remember, we can't get out of our cars. Did I say you can't get out of your car? Sorry, but at least I can see you through the windows of the cars. Had a great sermon for you this weekend. We are so, so excited. Now, for those of you who can't come to the drive-in service, no, I'm going to preach the same sermon to you all weekend. So one, one message for the whole congregation, just a very simple message of encouragement in these days. Father, we're so excited to begin to begin to see our people gather again at your house. Maybe we can't go inside yet, but Lord, we're gathering. And Lord, I ask for the blessings of God to flow to them. You said on this mount it shall be provided. Jehovah Jireh is a place. Your house is a place of provision. It's a place where provision flows to us. And Father, I thank you for great blessings to flow to your people. Lord, I come this day and I pray especially again for the frontliners. Lord, the rest of us are starting to move back into regular life, but they're still in the trenches fighting every day for people's lives. Lord, I just ask that they begin to see a touch of the supernatural. Lord, for those cases where they look and they feel that there is no hope, let them just lay hands on that foot, on that arm, and let a simple working of miracles happen. Let a simple gift of faith flow. Let a simple gift of healing. Lord, you said that we could seek earnestly the best gifts. Lord, for the sake of the frontliners, we seek the gift of the healing of COVID-19. Let that gift begin to flow in our frontliners, Lord. Not only will they not be afraid of this thing, but they will be a spiritual force in opposition against it. Father, in the name of Jesus, just let simple miracles flow. As they lay hands on the sick, let recovery begin. Yes, instant miracles also, but let just recovery begin. Let that thing be broken and health begin to be restored and life begin to be restored in those physical bodies. I thank you for it, Father. I pray for all of our seniors, Lord. They've been locked down for so long and not out of the house yet. Let there be grace upon them, Father. Let there be grace upon them. Oh, and let them pass on such beautiful truths, the history of the family, the spiritual heritage of the family, those grandchildren, Lord. And let those grandchildren have hearts to hear and ears to hear, a mind to understand in Jesus' name. Father, we come before you, grateful for all of your provision. Father, in these days, I ask for the wealth of the wicked to be transferred to the righteous. In these days, Father, I ask for opportunities for wealth transfer to flow to our people. Lord, for everything that they have lost, let it be restored more than twofold, Father. Let them see your hand of blessing upon their lives. Let them see your hand flow to them. Show the distinction. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's open up our hearts now and spend some time in worship.
Amen. Every morning, for how many months now, we open with Psalms 91. Now, about six or seven weeks in, maybe eight weeks in, we said, let's have the kids do it. And some of the seniors do it. So let's go to one of the kids right now. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowl and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that weighs at noonday. May thousands may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. The Most High who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. He, when he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. Well, we're getting ready to have services prayerfully. Next weekend, we'll be back in services. Now, I can't make any announcements about the Friday night service yet because we don't know what the curfew times are going to be. Uh, but on Saturday and Sunday next week, and again, Saturday, we'll have to maybe adjust the time a little bit, depending on what curfews are going to be. Uh, but Sunday services will be as normal next week, 50% capacity. Now, I'm not going to change the services or add different services at this time, because at this point, we don't know exactly how many people can still come. We don't know whether those under 21 will be allowed out of their houses. We don't know whether our seniors will be allowed out of their houses. So, you know, when you take the young people away and you take the seniors away, we're going to have enough room at 50% capacity just to continue with the service schedule that we have. So already begin to talk to your new converts. We've had over 10,000 people born again during this COVID-19 crisis. The gospel is not locked down. I'm so proud of you. So let's get those people now beginning to think about coming to services with you and uh, we're going to have now there will be some changes. All right. You know, urinals are going to have to be blocked off every other one. People like to sit every other seat. You know, our, our fellowship areas are probably going to be closed down completely at first. Uh, social distancing. We got lots of stickers on the floor, but we're getting ready. And we're looking forward to being back together again. Now, uh, for those of you who want the drive in service, we still have a few slots available at the 930 service tomorrow morning at South Campus. Now, South Campus was chosen because we have a big wide open parking lot. We can put our little FM transmitter up and everything is awesome. So North, South, East, Main, you can all, you're all welcome to come. Just call your district pastor and they'll reserve you a slot. We got a great testimony now. Si po si Brother Eric Kalugdan, kasama aking better half, happy wife, behind the scenes, si Sharon. Pareho po kaming COP members, more than 20 years, and part ng KBF Execom. Yung dalawang anak po namin, nasa Abeka naman, nag-aaral. And meron po kaming uh, business na gumagawa ng website, tsaka mga Android apps. no And nung uh, May 23, kinontak ako ni Ate Jane, kasi meron silang crusade na gusto nilang gawin, hindi lang Zoom, kundi FB Live din. 
And wala akong idea paano siya gawin, pero pinag-pray namin yon. Sabi nga sa James 1.5, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously. And thank God, very successful yung crusade. And then, right after that Monday, nagkaroon din kami ng isa pang crusade. No? And again, very successful. And the day after that, Tuesday, no, meron ako na-receive na tawag from a friend kasi meron siyang online course at namumroblema siya. Dumadami yung students na nagre-register pero hindi automated yung process niya. Ngayon, nagpartner kami so may bagong business na na-open during this lockdown. Thank you, Lord. Aside from that, may na-receive akong email na purchase order from a client na nasa six figures. no. So, talagang... Amazing, amazing si God. Sabi nga sa Ephesians 3.20, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And then after that, ang dami pang mga crusades kaming ginawa online, Facebook Live, tsaka YouTube Live. no. And very excited ako every time ginagawa namin kasi alam ko no, na every time ginagawa namin to, yung harvest is overflowing. Sabi nga sa 2 Corinthians 9.6, whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So COP, always remember, we cannot outgive God. Thank you. Acts chapter 8, beginning today with verse 4. The great persecution has started, led by the Apostle Paul before his salvation. He's ravaging the church. Every Christian is kicked out of Jerusalem with the exception of the 12 apostles. Verse 4. Now, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. <laughs> persecution never destroys the church. It spreads the church. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Paul went down to the city of, or excuse me, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Now, do you remember earlier in our readings, way back at the beginning of lockdown, I showed you how Jesus laid the groundwork for the Samaritan revival, okay? That, those two days in that village of Sychar in Samaria with the woman at the well. He laid the groundwork for this. Now, Philip goes down, one of the seven deacons, and proclaims to them the Christ. Now, he didn't go and proclaim anything except Jesus. That was the message, Christ. Sometimes as Christians, I think we need to get back to that message. And, when the, and the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. Now, there's a key to revival. The crowds with one accord paid attention. This was not a divided crowd. This was a hungry crowd. One of the things that you can see that can show you that a great, there's a potential for a great revival in a place is when people really pay attention, when a crowd in one accord pays attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. So they paid attention because they heard the message and they saw the signs and wonders. For unclean spirits were crying out with a loud voice and came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame or healed. So there was much joy in the city. Now there, in a quick brevity, the Reader's Digest version is revival. People with one accord hear. They hear because they see the signs and wonders, the miracles, the deliverances of demons, and they hear the truth of the Word of God. They receive it. And then there, the joy of salvation hits the place. Not, not weeping and mourning, the joy hits the place. See, God makes people glad, okay? You, you just got to get a hold of that. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying he himself was somebody great. So this was a good self-promoter. 
You always got to be careful with these good self-promoters. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, so he was a man of tremendous influence, saying this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. Now, why do people follow false preachers? Why do people follow magicians and people with, with demons? Because for a long time they amazed them. There's some, some, sometimes Christians need to get a hold of the fact the devil, he may not be creative, but he can be consistent. And sometimes consistency attracts attention. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. So here this great influencer in society began to say, no, I'm a Christian now, and began to follow Philip. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them to Peter and they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for they had not yet fallen on any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Spirit. Now notice, deacons did not lay hands on people to receive the Spirit. The apostles did. There is, there is different anointings that flow through different offices of ministry. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. He wanted to give the apostles money and said, give me this power also so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Spirit. Now, notice the word anyone. Now, he was impressed by people being healed, the lame, the paralyzed. He was impressed for demons coming out. But, you know, not everybody you pray for gets healed. But when you lay hands on people, Christians who receive the Holy Spirit, everybody receives. So he liked this concept of anyone. He knew the power of consistency. He knew that consistency attracts attention. When Peter, but Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot of this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart might be forgiven you. For I can see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me too, Lord, to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now, I want you to notice Simon was saved. He believed in Jesus. It said he believed. And he even said he was baptized. But sometimes baby Christians have a lot of things left over in their lives. And this guy had bitterness. He had wrong intentions. You see, he wanted to be the big influencer again. And, and this is a challenge with people who get born again who have been big shots and who have been looked up to by a lot of people. They, they want that same role in the church. And they don't understand. I don't care who you are in the world. You may be the president of the world, but when you get born again, you're still a baby Christian. You're not qualified for leadership. You're not qualified for ministry yet. In fact, Paul was very clear. A preacher should not be a neophyte or a baby, an infant, an infant Christian. Now, now, sometimes we want to take people, and as soon as they get saved, 
we want to show them off. And it's one of the big challenges I have with modern Christianity. Somebody gets saved and everybody wants to show them off, and, and they put them up too fast. The apostles would not do that. There's a lot of growing that has to happen. Yes, he's born again. Yes, he's water baptized. But he still has some real spiritual problems. And his motive, he wanted to be an influencer again. He, he wanted everybody to look at him again. He wasn't looking to, to be a blessing. He was looking to have influence. So the apostles called him down on it. Verse 25. Now when they, had it, when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. So notice, they didn't just leave it at that one city. Obviously, God had opened the door to the Samaritans. Jesus said, you shall preach in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. The first time the apostles themselves began to preach in Samaria. And basically what they did is they just, as they're back on their way back up to Jerusalem, they just stop in every little village as they pass and preach the gospel. The villages have been hearing what had been happening in the big city, and now they heard it for themselves in every little village. So please understand, brothers and sisters, one of the great truths of this passage, persecution does not destroy the church. It just spreads the gospel. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
Second Kings today, chapter five, beginning with verse one. Some very famous Bible stories here, but some incredible truth that needs to come out. Now notice, I like how sometimes things pair up. Notice we saw that Simon offered money to try to purchase the anointing because he wanted to be a person of influence. Now we're going to see how money comes in and causes problems in ministry again. Chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Assyria, was a great man with his master and in high favor, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. Now, you know, you, you just kind of look at that verse and go, excuse me, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. So God had used an unsaved man to give victory to a nation that he was not in relation with. Yeah, he's king of kings and lord of lords. One day you and I are going to have to realize that God runs this world. I know Satan is the god of this world, but our heavenly father is sovereign lord. So the Lord had given victory to Syria. And that's just You need to sit down and meditate on that sometimes and begin to understand maybe now why Paul says that God sends rain upon the just and the unjust, and God is good to everybody. You need to get a little revelation of that. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now, God's trying to get the attention of people. God's trying for people to see that he's alive and real. So He's given him a victory. The man's a leper. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Would that my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went and told his lord. Thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. Now, I want you to notice hope has come in Naaman's heart. A little woman, a little girl testifying brought hope into Naaman's heart. So he went, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing. These are a gift that he is bringing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive, that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. I can't do this. But again, notice, people who have no relationship with God, they don't know how to ask what they want to ask for. That's one of the things you got to get a hold of. When you're, you're dealing with unsaved people, they're not going to say things the right way, okay? And this, this king of Syria did not say things the right way to Israel. But when Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that you may know, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. God wants this guy to know there's a prophet. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. And notice, Elisha didn't go out and see him. Elisha just sent a messenger to him. He said, Pastor, how disrespectful. No, 
Elijah's trying to keep the focus on God. See, sometimes we, we, we confuse human courtesies with realities. Elisha is trying to get him focused on God because only God can heal. But Naaman was angry and went away saying, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and his God, not my God, his God, and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Fapar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Now, before you think that's a rude statement, understand the Jordan River is not a pretty river. Now, where we get water baptized right where it exits the Jordan, that's pretty. But for most of the stretch, the Jordan River is not something pretty. It's muddy, it's small. You know, it's smaller than most of our Asteros in downtown Manila, okay? It's that small. So he turned and went away in a rage. So his hope has now turned to rage because he wasn't focused on God. He was focused on human courtesy. But his servants came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And notice, when he got his focus off of the man of God doing something to him, and God is fo- got his focus on the God who heals, faith can flow again. The obedience of faith can flow again. Now, brothers and sisters, that's a great lesson for every one of us. You know, there, there's so many of us, we have these expectations of how we're going to be treated by a man of God or what's going to happen to us, and we get our focus off of God. God is the healer. Verse 15, then he returned to the man of God and all his company, and they came and stood before him. And he said, and notice, now Elisha comes out to him because the miracle is there. He's gotten his focus. He's seen that God is real. And behold, he came and stood before him, and he said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. He, he, he knows God now. This is what Elisha has been trying to do. So accept now a present from your servant. But he said, As the Lord lives, before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Then Naaman said, If not, please that there be given to your servant two mules, load of earth. For now, for, from now on, your servant will not offer burnt offering or sacrifice to any god but the Lord. Now, notice how effective Elisha's ministry tactics or methodology were. By keeping this man focused on God alone and not on him, this man was now committed to God. Tremendous ministerial methodology. In this matter, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes into the house of Ramon to worship there, leaning on my arm, and I bow myself in the house of Ramon, when I bow my house, bow myself in the house of Ramon, the Lord pardon your servant in this matter. And he said to him, go in peace. But when Naaman had gone from him a short distance, Gehazi, a servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, See, my master has spared this Naaman, the Syrian. In other words, prejudice is coming out. Bad attitudes are coming out. Look at this Syrian. 
He's not even an Israelite. And my master didn't take anything from him. We deserve something. This is a nasty Syrian. Spared this name in the Syrians. He had not accepted from his hand what he brought. As the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. So Gehazi followed Naaman. And when Naaman saw someone running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him and said, It's all well. And he said, All is well. My master has sent me to say. Now, notice when an assistant pastor goes bad, they still use the name of the pastor. <laughs> Gehazi used the name of Elisha to get this. He didn't come there and say, you know, would you like to give me something? He said, my master has sent me. And notice, there have now come to me from the hill country of Ephraim, two young men of the sons of the prophets. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of clothing. So notice that he uses the name of Elisha and he creates a false project. Because people don't just give, they give to projects. So, listen, we have this need, two sons of the prophets have come, and we have some clothing and some money to take care of them. And Naaman said, be pleased to accept two talents. And he urged on tied up two talents of silver in two bags and two changes of clothing. So Naaman must be thinking, see, this is God. He even gave me more than I asked for. This is God's confirmation that what I'm doing is right. And he laid on his servants. And they carried them before Gehazi. And when he came to the hill, this is just outside of where he lived with Elisha. When he came to the hill, he took them from their hand and put them in the house and sent the men away and they departed. Now, you know, he can justify and say, well, they gave me double, so it must be the will of God. But the guilt in his heart made him hide what he had. You can always tell when people know they have ill-gotten gain. They hide it. They live very simply and have huge money in the bank, ill-gotten wealth. They hide it. He went and stood before his master. And Elijah said, where have you been, Gehazi? And he said, your servant went nowhere. He's still lying. And he said, did not my heart go when the man turned from his chariot to meet you? Was it a time to accept money and garments, olive orchards and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male servants and female servants? In other words, this is what he planned to use the talent of silver for. It's like Elisha is reading Gehazi's intentions. Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and to your descendants forever. So he went out from his presence, a leper like snow. Now, now brothers and sisters, at some point you have to realize that the ministry is not about money that people should not pay for ministry. Just like uh, Simon there in our reading in Acts this morning wanted to pay for the anointing, this man wanted to pay for his healing, or at least give a payment in thanksgiving for his healing. We should never accept anything like that. We should never accept payment for ministry. Ministry is to be freely given as you have freely received, Jesus said. Freely you have received, now freely give. Now, I've gone to war with pastors all of my life about this and fired many assistant pastors over this very thing. But you know, Pastor God healed them, so they just wanted to say thank you. Say thank you to God. Don't say thank you to us. We didn't heal anybody. Now, at some point, brothers and sisters, you have to realize, sometimes with assistant pastors, you have to understand they're not representing the pastor. And they're making up projects. And then they're hiding their ill-gotten wealth. 
And the sooner those people are exposed and gone, the better. Oh, Pastor Summerall, that's strong. No, no, that's reality. That's reality. You know, I've had assistant pastors look at me in my life and say, you won't let the people bless you and you won't let the people bless us. Excuse me. We are to be provided for by God. The members return the tithe to God's house, and then God takes the tithe and supports the ministry. We are to freely minister because we have been freely given to. And to be honest, we can't heal anybody. We can't impart the Holy Spirit to anybody. We can't do any miracles in anybody's lives. I, I was doing an interview the other day with somebody, and I told them, the most helpless I feel is when I stand up at the end of a healing crusade and begin to pray for the sick. Because I look at all those sick people on the front row, and I know I can't do anything. Now, now brothers and sisters, you've got to get a hold of this because there's so much exploiting taking place in the ministry today. And I want you to notice who they exploited, Naaman. They exploit the thankful hearts of people. Now, if Naaman had not gotten a miracle, Gehazi would not have gone to ask for anything, I promise you. But when people are grateful to God, there's a generosity that flows out of them. And you have to be careful that corrupt preachers or corrupt assistants like Gehazi, they do not exploit the generosity that flows from the gratefulness of people's hearts for what God has done for them. The ministry is to be freely given. So the next time somebody looks at you and says, I'm going to pray for you, but you have to give me whatever you would have paid the doctors. I mean, I've heard preachers say that with my own ears to people. And I've walked into the hospital room and said, excuse me, guy, get out. You have no right to talk to people like that. And they got very angry at me and said all kinds of things against me. That's fine. I don't mind. I'm a shepherd. I protect the sheep from the wolves. Can you imagine walking to a person with cancer saying, now, I'm going to pray for you and God will heal you. But when you get healed, you have to give me everything you would have spent on the doctors. <laughs> That's a Gehazi spirit. And you're going to see how Gehazi turns out later. Now, let's go on. Forgive me, I got to preaching there for a minute, because this is one of the great challenges we face in the ministry today. Chapter 6, verse 1. Now the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See the place where we dwell under your charge is too small for us. <laughs> Elisha's getting kind of crowded around here. Let us go up to the Jordan, let each of us get there a log, and let us make a place for us to dwell there. Now why did they want to go to the Jordan? Because that's where the trees grow. I mean, the rest of this area is kind of desert. And he answered, go. Then one of them said, be pleased to go with your servants. Then he answered, I will go. In other words, hey, would you come with us? So he went with them. And they came to the Jordan. They cut down trees. But as one was felling a log, his axe head, in other words, it came off the handle, fell into the water. And he cried out, alas, my master, it was borrowed. <laughs> then the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place. He cut off a stick and threw it in there made the iron float. And he said, take it up. So he reached out his hand and took it up. Verse 8. I won't even dare to get into that one. Some great debt teaching on that one. Verse 8. Once again, the king of Assyria was warring against Israel. He took counsel with his servants, saying, at such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. 
and the king of Israel sent to that place about which the man of God told him. Thus he was warned, thus he used to warn him, so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. And the mind of the king of Assyria was greatly troubled because of this thing. In other words, hey, we got a mole among us, we got a spy. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? But one of the servants said, None of none, my lord. O king, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. Now, the king of Assyria already knows he's healed Naaman. He knows about this prophet. And he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. And it was told him. Behold, he said, He is in Dothan. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God, now Gehazi is no longer there. When the servant of the man of God, now that's something you also need to learn. He got fired that day. Okay. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And he said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, O oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. Now notice, this is a new young servant. This is a new guy assisting Elisha. Gehazi had seen a lot of things with Elisha. He knew how to relax and trust, but this was a new guy. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Assyrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike these people with blindness. <laughs> Please. <laughs> so he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elijah. Now, look at how God listened to him. And Elijah said to them, This is not the way, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. Now, talk about no fear. No fear. He's got this blind army following following him. <laughs> oh, this would be amazing. As soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men that they can see. So the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. And as soon as it, the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I strike them down? In other words, he led them right into a trap. He led them right into a situation where the armies of Israel surrounded them. The king of, of Samaria said, Shall I strike them down? He answered, You shall not strike them down. Would you strike down those whom you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? He said, I took them captive with prayer. Set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. So they prepared for them a great feast. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away and they went to their master. And the Syrians did not come again on raids into the land of Israel. See, sometimes. Sometimes peace comes in different ways. Sometimes peace comes by the strength of the sword, and sometimes peace comes by the sovereign power of God. Verse 24. Afterward, Ben-Hadad, king of Assyria, mustered his entire army and went up to besiege Samaria. So, oh, they had peace for a few years, now here they come again. And there was a great famine in Samaria as they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and a fourth part of a cob of dove's dung for five shekels of silver. Now, as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, now, I want you to understand, 
this is not just one challenge. Not only is, are they besieged by a great army, they are besieged by a famine. So it's like strike one, strike two. As the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him saying, Help, O my lord, the king. And he said, If the Lord will not help you, how shall I help you? From the threshing floor or from the winepress? And the king answered her, What is your trouble? And she answered, This woman said to me, Give me your son, that we may eat him today, and that we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. They took their baby and ate their baby. Starvation. Starvation causes some very strange things to happen. You wonder why I'm praying so hard right now for food for our land and food for the world. You hear of the giant locusts going all across Africa right now. You, Folks, food makes desperate people do some very desperate things. So we boiled my son and ate him. And on the next day I said to her, Give me your son that we may eat him. But she had hidden her son. When the king heard the words from the woman, he tore his clothes. Now as he was passing by in the wall, and the people looked, behold, he had sackcloth beneath on his body. The king was in mourning and repentance. And he said, May God do so to me and more also, if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on his shoulders today. Now, what did Elisha have to do with this famine? Nothing. But what Elisha had done, but I have no idea what that was. Welcome to live television. I think Sister Bev had a music box that went off in the background. Forgive me. Hey, that, that totally startled me, what was going on back there. He wanted somebody to blame. And all he could think of was, you know, if Elisha had let me kill the, that army, they wouldn't be here today. So he goes back in his mind to what Elisha did by letting those men go free. And if Elijah had just let me kill him that day. So he's got to have somebody to blame. Now, there's a truth I want you to get here. Emotions always look for someone to blame. When emotions get strong, they look for someone to blame. And this is something you're going to have to learn in life. People will go back five years and focus their anger and their emotions on you because of something that is happening in their life today. And this is exactly what was happening. He was going back to this, let these people go, and now he's saying, if I just killed them, they wouldn't be here. Elisha was sitting in his house, and the elders were sitting with him. Now the king had dispatched a man from his presence, but before the messenger arrived, Elisha said to the elders, do you see how this murderer has sent to take my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold the door fast against him. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? In other words, this guy is going to kill me, and then the king is going to come and look at my dead body. And while he was still speaking with them, the messenger came to them and said, This trouble is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Chapter 7, verse 1. But Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Tomorrow at about this time, a sea of wheat, a fine flour, shall be sold for a shekel, and two seas of barley shall be for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Then the captain who, on whose hand the king leaned said to the man of God, If the Lord himself should make windows in heaven, could this thing be, 
But he said, you shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat it. Now tomorrow, you're going to see how that prophecy completely came to pass. And tomorrow in your reading, you're going to again read about this king and people coming and sitting before the king. And one of those lepers that came to the king, that would have been Gehazi. All right, I'm going to run, get over to South Campus for our morning service. I'll see you tonight at 7 o'clock for our musical night.